You're listening to Shall We Unpack This? with your host, Leilani Carrasco. Welcome to the second episode of the SWAP podcast. We made it over that first hump. Thank you so much for those who listened and sent comments and encouraging words. I would like to think that I don't need those things to keep going, but then I get them and I'm like, okay, I'm safe to keep going. This is good. This is good. And so on the heels of that safety concept, um, I, I feel like ever since I was four years old, I've just been an anxious wreck. When I was four, I had to go to preschool because the dynamics with our family, my mom needed to go to work and, and I really have always been a homebody. And so, and I was like anxiously attached and that kid that cried in the corner the first month of school and getting up every morning and having to leave the house and eat breakfast and face a bunch of kids. And it was, it was all so scary that I think I've just like morphed into or, or just kind of sealed that like everything freaks me out. Everything makes me nervous. Everything is scary. Everything is four years old. And um, even with things that I want to do, is is this just me or is this somebody else? Like I'm doing something I want to do and I'm scared. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. But um, yeah, so there's been several moments where I um, just kind of stop in my tracks and I'm like, what am I doing? And it usually happens at night. And uh, so this morning I got up to go pee as one does at five in the morning. And this wave hit me of, what am I doing? What, 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 what am I doing? No, 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 no. This is not safe. And I had to kind of laugh at myself because I'm like, okay, okay. That same old story. Ooh, you're safe. And I have only just recently been able to do that. I'm thinking like within the past four, three weeks um, where I've actually had like tangible tools to almost send a lifeline down to me in those moments. And here's how it all came about. So I was scrolling a few weeks ago, like the end of December, and I landed on Prince Ia's page, and there's just this post with like two sentences on it that rocked my world. And it said, you're not healing to be able to handle the trauma. You're used to trauma. You're healing to be able to handle the joy. <laughs> and I read that. I was like, like, I sat there stunned for a few minutes and really convicted, like, oops, um, I all this time have been healing um, for growth or um, self-awareness or in preparation for the next disaster, uh, but I've not been healing so that I can be more joyful. That's how odd is that? How bizarre is that that I had to remind myself Oh, yeah. I, I never thought about joy. Do I want to be joyful? Yes. Have I set a place at the table for joy? Uh, no. Do I consciously think about 
making room for joy or making room for maybe getting up in the middle of the night to go pee and feeling excited about the next day instead of scared. Uh, no, I'm just, that has been so written into my psyche that I, it was like being able to float outside of my body and realize I see the pattern. Aha. And especially when it comes to creativity, like the joy can just get sucked out right away for me. Um, like, I don't know, when was the last time you picked up paints or played an instrument and was like, this is great, or I'm having such a good time? Yeah, that like, there have been moments when I'm writing and I'm like, yes, 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 yes. But then my head gets in the way and I'm like, no, this isn't good enough. Or why do I even bother? And um, the, the, the joy in creating just gets bombarded by the anxiety, the fear, the feeling that this is not enough. And yet there is this burning desire to create within us. We're humans. We have this desire to create things. We're going to keep creating, even though we are tortured artists in the process. Joy is what should happen when you're creating. And we're going to create anyway. I was thinking about this. I'm like, well, if I'm so miserable sometimes in the creative process, then why don't I just quit? Because we're humans and it's hardwired into us to create. And when I don't have a project that I'm working on, I feel like just this ball of fire. And I have felt this way for the past few years, like this ball of fire with nowhere to burn. And it's exciting when you find a place to apply that fire and then all of the mental stuff gets involved with it. I create really from a sense of duty and I, I don't go for the joy. It's more the satisfaction that I'm being a good steward of my talents, which that phrase kind of smells like mothballs. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I'm being a good steward of my talents. Just sounds like, I don't know. I, I, some of you that are tracking with me, you can see, yeah, that phrase totally smells like mothballs. Like it sounds so responsible that it's gross. <laughs> I'm being a good steward of my talents. I'm using my potential, use it or lose it kind of situation. That little post just sparked this chain reaction of, okay, I don't feel joy. I feel a lot of this anxiety. And it just opened my eyes to a lot of aha moments. So at the time that I read that post, I was going on probably six weeks or more of this full body rash. And I already suffer from eczema and it waxes and wanes, but this rash was not going away. And I'm talking head to toe, forehead, cheeks, arms, legs, just like, and scratching. Like I called it a juicy rash because it was just, oh, it felt so good to scratch. Always, constantly itchy, itchy, itchy. And I thought, okay, maybe, you know, the first two weeks I thought, okay, it's environmental or I don't know, the weather's changing and I'll put my 
ointment on it and the ointment wasn't doing anything. And usually it would work right away. And then three weeks into it, I'm like, okay, well, maybe it's my diet, but nothing's changed. (laughs) And I'm like, maybe I wandered into a poison oak patch somehow. No. And finally, it was about week five or six that I'm like, this is my nervous system. As we get closer to launching this project, I am... It's my body. My body is not feeling regulated and it is showing through my skin. My grandma always used to call me a worry wart and, oh, it's just nerves. It's just nerves. But I was like, this is just nerves. It's a lot of nerves and it's driving me bonkers. And I, and I having to wear long sleeves and things because I look like a freak, but it is my nervous system. So my body was my next kind of like, oh, I need to pay attention to this. This is not just something that I just have to deal with. I can fix this because there is something more to this. And I don't remember what pinged me to the concept of safety, but I was putting the skin thing together with the Prince Ia quote and realizing I don't, feel safe. And I, I've been for a couple of years now subscribing to this kind of neural reprogramming, inner child healing website called To Be Magnetic. And they have this whole library of, in a way, like meditations. They're called deep imaginings. And you, you do a lot of like therapy, EMDR inspired work tapping and rolling your eyes back and like going to your safe place or place in nature, all these things. Very powerful work. I will uh, link the site in the description. But they released a deep imagining called the Safe DI. And when they first read, like released that, I was like, that's kind of redundant. Like I'm safe. Like I have a house and food and clothing, and I have healthy relationships, and and, and I'm in the best state of mind I've ever been. So of course I'm safe. Like, why would I do a safe meditation? That's silly. And then when I had that aha moment of like, my body does not feel safe, it is activated right now. I was like, I have something, I have a tool. I have the safety eye. And so I sat down with that and it was like, you know, those things that you don't notice before, but when the time is right, it is like instant medicine. And so I think about the mind fuck and the medicine. And at the time, the mind fuck was, I don't feel safe. And why don't I feel safe? Well, because, you know, again, you were going back to creativity. It is so innate within us. And yet, Somehow between the refrigerator art days, remember the refrigerator art days when you'd lay on the floor and you would just draw with reckless abandon and freedom and joy. And I mean, your drawing would be like two lines in orange crayon, but it was a masterpiece and it's going on the fridge. You want to share it. You're proud of it. Somewhere between there and then today where it's like, I spent four hours on this thing and it's crap. You know, I don't, I don't like it. It's, it's worthless. 
What happened between there? A lot, obviously. But it's like, okay, I want to get to a place where I feel safe in my creative process. Is it possible to experience that fridge art season of life again? And so that became my goal in doing this safety eye. And what, I mean, it was amazing. It was a, it was a solid game changer because within like 24 hours of doing that meditation, my rash started to ease up. Like it wasn't itching as much. It started to kind of dry up. And I was like, I knew it. I knew that this was a nervous system nerves issue. And if I work on calming myself down and getting to a safe place, then we can stop itching so much. Then we can be, be healed. So in the safety eye, you find yourself in nature, that you go to a safe place and you have a safe person. And when I went into that DI, the mindset that was causing me the most anxiety was I don't feel, this doesn't feel safe. This project, this podcast that I'm starting does not feel safe because it feels irresponsible. I feel ashamed that I even have the time and the resources and the freedom to do this. Who do I think that I am? to sit down here and do this when other people are busting their ass and working really hard and don't have time to do what they want to do. Who do I think I am to sit down and create a, a podcast and esta economia, you know, and I, there was a lot of shame and guilt there and I did not feel safe. I was like, I'm, I, uh, yeah, I'm a joke. And in the meditation, you are asked to think of a safe person. And for some reason in these, a lot of meditations, when you're asked to think of a safe person, I always think of this random old, uh, older lady yoga instructor that I met in this uh, Colorado spa. And I don't know, she just, she just had this sage-like presence about her. And I usually think of her. And I'm thinking of all these reasons why I'm not safe kind of the middle of the night realizations, what am I doing? This isn't safe. Just kind of going on repeat, going through the motions and going through that pattern of since I, that I've had since I was four, I'm not safe. And she looked me right in the eyes and she said something that I never considered before. What if this creative project is the safest place that you could be right now. Think about it. You are a ball of burning fire with nowhere to burn when you don't have a creative project. If you were to abandon this right now and go back to a safe life where you just fill your day working and it's like the blue pill. If you take the blue, blue pill and pretend that none of this happened, would you feel safer? Or would you 
in a matter of weeks or months, be right back here wanting to create something. And that, like, whoa, that was the medicine. This may not feel safe. There may be a thousand reasons why it doesn't feel safe. But what if it was the safest place I could be? It's like I'm so programmed to instantly feel fear. And the beauty of these deep imaginings is it works on a subconscious level. I can tell myself all day, you're fine, you're fine, you're fine. Hello, my skin is telling me you're not fine. <laughs> so it works on this deep subconscious level to start to, in small ways, rewire. Okay, we go instantly to fear. Can we just step out of that a little bit this time and then do it again and then do it again? And that, like I said, days uh, it, within a, a day, that rash dried up. And then by the end of the week, it was almost gone. And I'm talking, I had this for almost two months. And it was a conscious practice. Right before bed, I'm like, what am I doing? What am I doing? This is the safest place you could be. Wake up in the middle of the night. Oh God, what am I doing? What am I doing? This, this is the safest place you could be. That is what I have been hanging on to ever since. And they're, they're, you know, you, you can do these meditations over and over as much as you need. Sometimes you just kind of run to the medicine cabinet and think, I need something right now. This is how I use these meditations. So there was another time and, and the mindfuck that was stirring me up was, what if, what if I go back to that place, that mindset that I had when I was a blogger? And I, I reference being a blogger a lot because it was such a hot mess. It, it consumed my life. And um, it was a constant hustle. I was just hustling for my value, my self-worth, um, hustling for a possibility that maybe this thing could earn me money. I'm not even going to touch the concept of like, hey, can my creative skill earn me money? That's another... Another conversation for another time, because that is fraught with mindfucks. But when I was a blogger, um, everything revolved around, did this get enough views? Uh, did, this, did, did, did enough people respond to this? Are enough people seeing it? it was numbers, 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 because in order for it to make money, you need the numbers, numbers, numbers. And uh, like, I'm just... If I cooked a meal that night, this could be a blog post and I need a blog post out there because I need to continually stay in the forefront. And it was just, oh, my, it was exhausting. And so instead of just cooking dinner, I'd be like moving pots and pans out into the porch where the light was good. So I could like take a photo of that stage and then move it back in. And oh, my God, it was a mess. And I got to a place where I didn't trust myself to not be that way until I just completely was like, I am tired of this and I want out of this life. And this is just like, stop everything and then let it go. But in since then I'm like, 
anytime I create something big, I'm going to be that person again. I don't, I don't want to be that person again. I don't want to go back to that place. <laughs> don't make me go back to that place. And so I did the safety eye. And they have you imagine a safe place in nature. Instantly, this vision of a very narrow, dusty trail in the middle of a desert that led me into this huge canyon land. And I was all by myself. And for me to be all by myself is medicine. I am not thinking about who else is watching. I am free to let loose and the pressure is off. And so as I'm in this canyon, I, it's funny where the brain takes you, but I just saw myself blowing into this red balloon, tying it, appreciating it, and then letting it go. And to not worry about who saw the balloon, because who's going to see the balloon? I'm in the middle of the desert. Maybe it'll float far away and some people will notice it, but not many. What mattered was that I did something, appreciated it, and then released it. And so as I walked through that DI thinking, with presenting the mindfuck of, I don't trust myself to create anymore. I'm going to get all worried about the numbers. I'm going to get all stirred up. I'm going to wonder if it's going to make money. And it, oh, I'm not safe. I'm not safe. And just that the medicine was, it doesn't matter. Okay, in a grand scheme, like what we create matters, but it doesn't matter who sees it. If you could just sink your heels and be present in this canyon and create from your heart and create from your joy and release it, like, just let it go. It stops mattering the minute you put it out and you are safe. And I can't tell you how many times I've had to revisit that desert. And like I said, this is a process. It's not like I did that one time and I have no problems ever since. I have to bring myself back. It doesn't matter. It's okay. You're safe. You're in the safest place you could be. We're not going to worry about the numbers. All you need to worry about is your process, your path. And the rest will take care of itself somehow. We're not going to worry about that. What's really interesting is that when you get to a place, I, I mean, I've been doing this work since 21, 2021. And really, even before then, it's been just, I've been presented with tool after tool after tool to help me on this journey. But this TBM work has been a game changer. And in this process of doing this work, I've had space and time to prepare me to even be safe to face my shame. Shame is scary. Um, like to be seen and judged is scary and it can seem like too much and overwhelming. I'm only to this stage because I've been over time working on shame and shadow and stories in my head and judgment. <laughs> I still got a lot to work through, but I'm not saying like um, all of this to 
So yeah, it's, it's just, I just did this one thing. No, it has been a process. But in, in the working through this process, I have had the courage to sit with things that I've felt ashamed about and get to a place where I can ask it questions. And so opening up my mind to, okay, I really do realize that I don't want to be that person, that blogger girl anymore. And I'm afraid I might. Okay, well, well, what was your process there? What did you want to achieve? What was your why? Um, my why was to have a platform to have a voice. And I wanted that platform to make a lot of money. And I think the only way to make a lot of money is to be famous. So I wanted to be famous so I can make a lot of money. Okay, why'd you want a lot of money? Well, because I wanted enough money to be free, to, to get out of the life I was in. If I have enough money, then I can start over. Then I can leave my life. Whoa. So you wanted to create something as a key to the prison door. You wanted to escape your life. That was your why. And it, it was like, wow. No wonder why that was a disaster. My why was wrapped in wounding, in uh, an unresolved need for validation, and this feeling that I was unable to call the shots in my own life, a complete lack of agency. Like, I don't know how to fix my life, but this thing will fix it with money, fame, and then I can leave. Then I will have the freedom. And to get to the other side of that, to get to a place where I'm like, you know what, fuck it. I am tired of this game. I can let the blog go. I'm going to leave. I'm going to, I didn't need to go around the mountain of first I have to do this and this and this and this and this. And now I can finally leave. It was there the whole time. I just had to own my shit and be honest. And that was hard and scary, but that was my why. And to be able to see, okay, well, what is my why now? I think trusting yourself in the creative process is possible when you know your why and your why is solid. Not, I want to escape my life. I need money. <laughs> and so I ask myself now, why? Why are you doing this? Because I want to see what it's like to create from a place of self-worth and to share the conversations, the tools, really just to share. Okay, well then you're safe. Now, going back to being seen, it's, it's such a, it's so silly. It's like, we're afraid to be seen. No, I, I don't want to put things out there because then it will be seen. Why, why is that a problem? Well, because in a way, I'm afraid that people might judge it in the way that I judge other people's stuff. Like, I know what I say about people's shit. Like, what are they going to say about me? To be seen is a very vulnerable place. And yet, going back to the numbers game, to not be seen is also like, oh, Nobody is seeing this, which is proving to me that what I have to say is not important, that what I create is not enough. So it's like to be seen, not safe, to 
not be seen, oh, not safe, blah, you know. And it's this morning after effect that I have where like, it happened last week when I launched the podcast and was seen. And I woke up the next morning instantly. Like, I woke up like at 6.30, um, my brain was awake and I started going into the spiral of how I could have done it better. Oh, you didn't even make sense, girl. Like, what were you, what were you doing? this is not a good idea. This is not good. You are not good at this. And just, and, uh, you know, maybe in the past I would have stayed in that loop for days, at least for hours, it would have held me back. And another one of the meditations through TBM is the inner child healing. And there's this somatic move where you, I'm going to adjust the camera, where you Put your right hand under your left armpit and your left hand on your right armpit. So those of you that are like, okay, let me imagine this. Right hand under left armpit, left hand on right shoulder, and you hold yourself. And as I'm laying there in bed thinking, you suck, this is stupid. Oh my God, you should feel so silly. It just dawned on me like, what the fuck, girl? You had this, uh, you know, idea in September. Okay. And then from there, um, you found a way to schedule some interviews and then the interviews, you, you, you learned some equipment and then you learn these programs and then you wrote a lot and you put a lot of heart in and you overcame a lot of stuff. And then you finally did the thing and you published it again, learning all these programs and doing all this work. And you're going to lay here right now and kick yourself after all of that? Like, that is bullshit. What are you doing? It'd be like standing on the finish line of a race and mocking the marathoners that crossed the line. Like, you suck. Why did you do this? Mile 11 was your worst mile yet. Like, you should just give up. That is nonsense. And so I caught myself 20 minutes in and that memory of that somatic move came up and I'm like, I need to comfort my inner child. I need to comfort this person that has just created, is feeling very vulnerable. Instead of kicking her, I'm going to hold her. And I don't, you know, I don't know how it worked, but it instantly calmed me. And it was this sweet moment of like, no, I'm going to rewire that pattern. I'm going to do something different in the hopes that maybe I can do it sooner next time. But I'm not going to do the morning after kicking myself because I created. And the, the voice in my head is always like, oh, brother, you think you're so good. That was stupid. You know, it's always this suck in your teeth kind of like, oh, brother, you're so dumb. And going back to the feeling shame for almost being privileged, this shame around privilege, like must be nice to be able to work on a creative project. Oh, I feel shameful for being privileged. The other shame is you just want attention. In my family, like to want attention was probably the worst thing you could ever want. 
And I don't know, it's like maybe to want attention is to be needy and kind of pathetic. Like, let's not think too highly of ourselves. Let's not want attention. What is so wrong with attention? That was so to, to think about questions, to ask your, your shame when you get to that place where you're able to, instead of cower from it and just wallow in it, you're able to be like, wait a minute, hold the phone. I have believed you for way too long. And now I got some questions. What the fuck is the big deal with wanting attention? Like you see a baby crying. They just want attention. Um, well, cause they're hungry, you know, <laughs> or what is the big deal? So I started asking myself questions. Why do you feel shame around having attention? Well, because it just was a bad thing when I was a kid. Why do you want attention now? Well, because I have something to say. And if somebody hears it, fine. If somebody doesn't hear it, whatever. But I have to say it. Okay, then that's your why. Maybe in the past it was, I do need validation. I do need attention because I can't give that to myself in a healthy way. Okay, well, then we need to work on that. But you have something to say, fine. Okay, then who cares if you have attention or that you want attention? And same goes with the privilege. Why? What's so wrong with having time and freedom to work on a creative project? Well, because it might look like I'm taking it for granted or that I'm spoiled. And okay, well, are you taking it for granted? No. I'm, this is like, I'm in the trenches of overcoming my own shit. Like, this is a good process. This is healing. Okay, then. Then that's your why. And you can stand up against that shame now and ask it questions. It's been a mindfuck, but it's been such good medicine. This working through all of the hurdles of creativity. And I know so many creative people that have beautiful things that they want to do. And I, I know I'm not alone in the mental hurdles, the blocks, the, the same old patterns that just keep us in this loop. Man, to be in fridge art season again, where we just create freely, put it out into the world, and then immediately just start working on the next thing. Like, yeah, it's on the fridge. Who cares? Next thing. Woohoo! And if anything, if anything, this is my favorite tool of all. <laughs> so not long, I'm thinking like a couple days after I saw that Prince Ia quote. I'm scrolling Facebook again, and I land on this video of how they make imitation crab meat. <laughs> and it's like, oh, wow, like I was just entranced. Okay, so you got this vat filled with pillowy, gooey, it looks like Elmer's glue and past plaster of Paris and maybe some whipped cream or marshmallow cream. It's just this white goo. And this huge vat is whipping it. And then some guy just, I don't know, sprinkles in like a cup of probably real crab. It's not very much. And it gets mixed in. And then this wheel comes out of nowhere and spins through the vat and spits out this perfect stream of white paste and then the white paste goes this, through this conveyor belt and it gets spread into thin sheets that are stacked on top of each other but one sheet is um, 
the goo has been mixed with red food coloring and so that gets in a separate sheet that goes around the tube of white stuff and then it gets sent into another conveyor belt and that's put into plastic packaging and on and on and i was like wow somebody had to think of all of that somebody one day woke up and was like i want meat to taste like other meat <laughs> i want this i want to make imitation crab i want to save the crabs I got to find a way to make it myself. So they had to have the courage and the determination to think of a recipe. How am I going to make this? And then they had to call upon engineers to create even the machinery to make the crab and then the packaging and then and then and then tell other people about it and then hey let's get this shipped out like all the relate customer relations like the team needed to make this meat out of other meat and other ingredients vision come to fruition and so <laughs> it just made my project seem very small and it was a relief because it's like on those moments where I'm like, what the hell am I doing? Hey, 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 calm down. You're just talking into a microphone. You're not making imitation crab. You know, it's, you're not making imitation crab. You're, you're, you're okay. You don't have to think of recipes and make them on a large scale. You don't have to invent machinery. You don't have to figure out how you're going to ship the work. You, you're just talking into a microphone. It's not imitation crab. So those of you that do have a vision that's a little more involved, or I don't know, you're a tattoo artist and now you're like drawing on people's skin, there's liability involved. Ah, even that. Okay, well, I'm, I, I want to build a house. Cool, you're building a house. I, I want to do this, or I want to open a store. Cool. It's not like you're taking Elmer's glue and marshmallow whip and a few crab flakes and turning it into an entirely new meat product. <laughs> so it's not imitation crab. You're going to be okay. So I think just in these few short weeks, the power of you're safe. You're in the safest place you could be. Once you release it, it doesn't matter. And it's not that big of a deal. You are just, you are safe. You are here creating. You're not out there trying to figure out machinery and spinning wheels and packaging and all of that. You're, you're okay. And it brings me back to what would it be like if you could create knowing you're safe? What would it be like to create while and before also being I go, able to handle the joy. Yeah, I've, I've referenced of working through inner child wounds and shame. And some of you, that may have, be something you haven't even touched yet or is very triggering. And as always, I recommend if you need to seek a therapist to walk through this work with you, 
I have done EMDR therapy with an in-person therapist, and that's been very helpful. So do not hesitate to seek out help to guide you through this process because, yeah, it can be like totally intimidating. Like, why would I want to, I just want to paint pictures. Why does it mean that I have to go through all my childhood traumas? Well, because those traumas keep you in a loop that doesn't make you free to create. It makes you incapable of handling the joy. So if you want to get to the place where you can handle joy, you're going to have to face some scary things, but you don't have to do it alone. Thank you so much for joining me today. We're going to keep this conversation going on Instagram. I am not a TikToker yet. I'm still like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how to, I don't know what to do about that, but I am on Instagram. I post throughout the week. I'm always willing to have another conversation about this. So find me on there. And in the meantime, thanks so much for joining. We'll see you next week. Thank you so much for listening. Join us on Instagram at SWUT Podcast. That's S-W-U-T-P-O-D-C-A-S-T for further conversations, insights, and behind-the-scenes content from today's episode. And for the complete viewing experience, tune into Shall We Unpack This on YouTube. We'll see you next week.